Chapter Fifty Two of the Headless Horseman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Headless Horseman: A Strange Tale of Texas by Maine Reed. Chapter Fifty Two: An Awakener. Phelim's second slumber was destined to endure for a more protracted term than his first. It was nearly noon when he woke from it and then only on receiving a bucket of cold water full in his face that sobered him almost as quickly as the sight of the savages. It was Zeb Stump who administered the douche. After parting from the precincts of Casa del Corvo, the old hunter had taken the road, or rather trail, which he knew to be the most direct one leading to the headwaters of the Nices. Without staying to notice tracks or other sign, he rode straight across the prairie, and into the avenue already mentioned. Prom what Louis Poindexter had told him, from a knowledge of the people who composed the party of searchers, he knew that Maurice Gerald was in danger, hence his haste to reach the Alamo before them, coupled with caution to keep out of their way. He knew that if he came up with the regulators, equivocation would be a dangerous game, and Nolan's violence, he should be compelled to guide them to the dwelling of the suspected murderer. On turning the angle of the avenue, he had the chagrin to see the searchers directly before him, clumped up in a crowd, and apparently engaged in the examination of sign. At the same time, he had the satisfaction to know that his caution was rewarded, by himself remaining unseen. Durn them, he muttered, with bitter emphasis. I might a knowed they had been here. I must go back and round the other way. It'll delay me better an hour. Come, old mar. This are an obstruction you won't like. It'll give ye the addition o' six more mile to your journey. E up, o' gal, round and back we go. With a strong pull upon the rein, he brought the mare short round, and rode back towards the embouchure of the avenue. Once outside, he turned along the edge of the chaparral again, entering it by the path which on the day before had been taken by diaz and his trio of confederates from this point he proceeded without pause or adventure until he had descended to the alamo bottom land and arrived within a short distance though still out of sight of the mustanger's dwelling instead of riding boldly up to it he dismounted from his mare and leaving her behind him approached the jacale with his customary caution the horse-hide door was closed, but there was a large aperture in the middle of it, where a portion of the skin had been cut out. What was the meaning of that? Zeb could not answer the question, even by conjecture. It increased his caution, and he continued his approach with as much stealth as if he had been stalking an antelope. He kept round by the rear, so as to avail himself of the cover afforded by the trees, and at length, having crouched into the horse-shed at the back, he knelt down and listened. There was an opening before his eyes, where one of the split posts had been pushed out of place, and the skin tapestry torn off. He saw this with some surprise, but before he could shape any conjecture as to its cause, his ears were saluted with a sonorous breathing that came out through the aperture, there was also a snore which he fancied he could recognize as proceeding from irish nostrils a glance through the opening settled the point the sleeper was felon there was an end to the necessity for stealthy manoeuvring the hunter rose to his feet and stepping round to the front 
entered by the door which he found unbolted. He made no attempt to rouse the sleeper until after he had taken stock of the paraphernalia upon the floor. "'There's been packing up for some purpose,' he observed, after a cursory glance. "'Ah, now I recollects. The young furler said he war goin' to make a move from here some of these days. That er animal air, not only sound asleep, but dead drunk. Sartin he air, drunk as Bacchus. I can tell that by the smell of him. I wonder if he have left any of the liquor. It air, do boys, not a drop, doggone him. There's the jar, we the stop plug out of it, lying on its side, and there's the flask, too, in the same predicament, both on him follow empiness. Durn him for a drunken cuss, he can suck up as much moisture as a chalk puria. Spanish curds, a whole pack on em scattered about the place. What can he ha been doin' with em? S'pose he's been havin' a game o' solitary along wi' his liquor. But what's cut the hole in the door, and why the toe they're broken out at the back? I reckon he can tell. I roused him and see. Fell him, fell him. Fela made no reply. Fell him, I say. Fell him. Still no reply although the last summons was delivered in a shout loud enough to have been heard half a mile off. There was no sign made by the slumberer to show that he even heard it. A rude shaking administered by Zeb had no better effect. It only produced a grunt, immediately succeeded by a return to the same stentorous respiration. If twant for his snorn, I might believe him to be dead. He air dead drunk, and no mistake— intoxicated to the very ends o his toenails kickin him un be no use doggone ef i don't try this the old hunter's eye as he spoke was resting upon a pail that stood in a corner of the cabin it was full of water which Philem, for some purpose had fletched from the creek unfortunately for himself he had not wasted it with a comical expression in his eye, Zeb took up the pail and swilled the whole of its contents right down upon the countenance of the sleeper. It had the effect attended, if not quite sobered. The inebriate was thoroughly awakened, and the string of terrified ejaculations that came from his lips formed a contrasting accompaniment to the loud cachinations of the hunter. It was some time before sufficient tranquillity was restored to admit of the two men entering upon a serious conversation phelim however despite his chronic inebriety was still under the influence of his late fears and was only too glad to see zeb stump notwithstanding the unceremonious manner in which he had announced himself as soon as an understanding was established between them and without waiting to be questioned he proceeded to relate in detail as concisely as an unsteady tongue and disordered brain would permit the series of strange sights and incidents that had almost deprived him of his senses. It was the first that Zeb Stump has heard of the headless horseman, although the report concerning this imperfect personage was that morning broadly scattered around Fort Inge, and along the Leona, Zeb, having passed through the settlement at an early hour and stopped only at Casa del Corvo, had not chanced upon any one who could have communicated such a startling item of intelligence in fact he had exchanged speech only with pluto and louise poindexter neither of whom had at that time heard anything of the strange creature encountered on the evening before by the party of searchers 
the planter for some reason or another had been but little communicative and his daughter had not held converse with any of the others at first zeb was disposed to ridicule the idea of man without a head he called it a fantasy of phelim's brain owen to his heaven took too much of the corn juice he was puzzled however by phelim's persistence in declaring it to be a fact more especially when he reflected on the other circumstances known to him arrah now how could i be mistaken argued the irishman didn't i see master maurice as plain as i see yourself at this minute all except the hide and that i had a peep at as he turned to gallop away besides there was the mexican blanket and the saddle wid the red cloth and the warther guards of spotted skin and who could mistake that purty horse and haven't i told yez that tara went away after him and then i heard the dog growling just before the indians injuns exclaimed the hunter with a contemptuous toss of the head injuns playing with spanish curds white injuns i reckon div yez think they warn't indians after all neither a matter what i think there's no time to talk o that now go on and tell me o y'all yes see dem hern when phelim had at length unburdened his mind zeb ceased to question him and striding out of the hut squatted down indian fashion upon the grass his object was as he said himself to have a good think which he had often declared he could not obtain while hampered with a house about him it is scarcely necessary to say that the story told by galwegian groom only added to the perplexity he already experienced hither though there was but the disappearance of henry poindexter to be accounted for now there was the additional circumstance of the non-return of the monstanger to his hut when it was known that he had started for it and should according to a notice given to his servant have been there at an early hour on the day before far more mystifying was the remarkable story of his being seen riding about the prairie without a head or with one carried in his hands this last might be a trick what else could it be still was it a strange time for tricks when a man had been murdered and half the population of the settlement wore out upon the track of the murderer more especially improbable that the supposed assassin should be playing them zeb stump had to deal with a difficult concatenation or rather conglomeration of circumstances events without causes causes without sequence crimes committed without any probable motive mysteries that could only be explained by an appeal of the supernatural a midnight meeting between maurice gerald and louise poindexter a quarrel with her brother occasioned by the discovery maurice having departed for the practices henry having followed to sue for forgiveness in all this the sequence was natural and complete beyond began the chapter of confusions and contradictions zeb stump knew the disposition of maurice gerald in regard to henry poindexter more than once he had heard the mustanger speak of the young planter instead of having a hostility towards him he had frequently expressed admiration of his ingenuous and generous character that he could have changed from being his friend to become his assassin was too improbable for belief only by the evidence of his eyes could zeb stump have been brought to believe it after spending a full half-hour at his think he had made it but little progress towards unravelling the network of 
cognate yet unconnected circumstances, despite an intellect unusually clear, and the possession of strong powers of analysis, he was unable to reach any rational solution of this mysterious drama of many acts. The only thing clear to him was that four mounted men, he did not believe them to be Indians, had been making free with the Mustanger's hut, and that it was most probable that these had something to do with the murder that had been committed. But the presence of these men at the jacale, coupled with the protracted absence of its owner, conducted his conjectures to a still more melancholy conclusion, that more than one man had fallen a sacrifice to the assassin, and that the thicket might be searched for two bodies instead of one. A groan escaped from the bosom of the backwoodsman, as this conviction forced itself upon his mind. He entertained for the young Irishman a peculiar affection, strong almost as that felt by a father for his son, and the thought that he had been foully assassinated in some obscure corner of the chaparral, his flesh to be torn by the beak of the buzzard and the teeth of the coyote, stirred the old hunter to the very core of his heart. He groaned again as he reflected upon it, until without action he could no longer bear the agonizing thought and springing to his feet he strode to and fro over the ground proclaiming in loud tones his purpose of vengeance so absorbed was he with his sorrowful indignation that he saw not the staghound as it came sulking up to the hut it was not until he heard phelim caressing the hound in his grotesque irish fashion that he became aware of his creature's presence and then he remained indifferent to it until a shout of surprise coupled with his own name attracted his attention what is it phylum what's wrong he's a snake bit ye oh mr stump look at tara see there's something tighter about his neck it wasn't there when he lift what do yez think it is the hunter's eyes turned immediately upon the hound sure enough there was something around the animal's neck a piece of buckskin thong but there was something besides a tiny packet attached to the thong and hanging underneath the throat zeb drawing his knife glided towards the dog the creature recoiled in fear a little coaxing convinced him that there was no hostile intent and he came up again the thong was severed the packet laid open it contained a card there was a name upon the card and writing writing in what appeared to be red ink but it was blood the rudest backwoodsman knows how to read, even Zeb Stump was no exception, and he was soon deciphered the characters traced upon the bit of pasteboard. As he finished, a cry rose from his lips, in strange contrast with the groans he had been just uttering. It was a shout of gladness, of joy. Thank the Almighty for this, he added, and thank my old Catanook schoolmaster for putting me clear through my Webster's spelling book. He lives, Phelim, he lives. Look at this. Oh, you can't read. No matter. He lives, he lives. Who? Master Maurice? Then the Lord be thanked. Wah! There's no time to thank him now. Get a blanket and some pieces of horsehide thung. You can do it while I catch up the old mar. Quick, half an hour lost, and we may be too late. End of chapter 52